Okay, Hare Krishna. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Radhakala Chaitanya Charitamrita reading in class. Um, today we're reading from the Chaitanya Charitamrita Madhya Volume 6. It's a very nice section of Chaitanya Charitamrita. Jaya Jaya Shri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Veta Chandra Jaya Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Jaya Jaya Shri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Just my hat. Jaya Veta Chandra Jaya Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. So this is a beautiful story. Um it's about Lord Chaitanya's attempt to go to Vrindavan. And I'll read just one of the verses to you, and then I'll read the English to you. So this goes, Gauradhanam Goramegha Sinchan Swalokanamritai Bhavagni Dagda Janata Virudha Samajivayat the translation, by the nectar of his personal glands, the cloud known as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu poured water upon the garden of Godadesh and revived the people who were like creepers and plants burning in the forest fire of material existence. All glories to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, all glories to Lord Nityananda, all glories to Advaita Chandra, and all glories to all the devotees of the Lord. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu decided to go to Vrindavan, and Maharaj Pachaparudra became very morose upon hearing this news. The king therefore called for Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya and Ramananda Roy, and he spoke the following submissive words to them. Maharaj Pachaparudra said, Please endeavor to keep Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu here at Jagannath Puri, for now he is thinking of going elsewhere. Without Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this kingdom is not pleasing to me. Therefore, please try to advise, therefore, please try to devise some plan to enable the Lord to stay here. After this, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself consulted Ramananda Roy and Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. I shall go to Vrindavan. Ramananda Roy and Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya requested the Lord to observe first the Rathiatra festival. Then, when the month of Kartik arrived, he could go to Vrindavan. However, when the month of Kartik came, they both told the, told the Lord, Now it is very cold. It's better that you wait to see the Dolayatra festival and then go. That will be very nice. Bless you. In this way, they both presented many impediments, indirectly not granting the Lord permission to go to Vrindavan. They did this because they were afraid of separation from Him. 
Although the Lord is completely independent and incapable of being checked by anyone, he still did not go without the permission of his devotees. Then for the third year, all the devotees of Bengal wanted to return again to Jagannath Puri. All the Bengali devotees gathered around Advaitacharya, and in great jubilation, Advaitacharya departed to Jagannath Puri to see Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Although the Lord told Nityananda Prabhu to stay in Bengal and spread ecstatic love of God, Nityananda left to go see Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Who could understand Nityananda Prabhu's ecstatic love? All the devotees of Advaita departed. I'm sorry, <clears throat> all the devotees of Navadweep departed, including Acharya Ratna, Vidyanidhi, Srivas, Ramai, Vasudev, Marari, Govinda, and his two brothers, and Raghava Pandit, who took bags of assorted foods. The inhabitants of Kalina Gram carried silken ropes, also carrying silken ropes, also uh, departed. You want to give class? Oh, okay. Narahari and Sri Raghunanandana, who were from the village of Kanda, and many other devotees also departed. Who can count them? Shivananda Sain, who was in charge of the party, made arrangements to clear the tax collecting centers. He took care of all the devotees and happily traveled with them. Shivananda Sain took care of all the necessities the devotees required. In particular, he made arrangements for residential quarters and he knew the roads of Orissa. That year also, all the wives of the devotees, Takaranis, also went to see Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sita Devi, the mother of Achyutananda, went with Advaita Acharya. Srivas Pandit took his wife, Malini, and the wife of Shivananda Sain also went with her husband. Chaitanya Das, the son of Shivananda Sain, also jubilantly accompanied them as they went to see the Lord. The wife of Chandrasekhar, Acharya Ratna, also went. I cannot speak of the greatness of Chandrasekhar's love for the Lord. To offer Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu various types of food, all the wives of the great devotees brought from home various things that pleased Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. As stated, Shivananda Sain used to make all arrangements for the party's necessities. In particular, he used to pacify the men in charge of levying taxes. And he found resting places for everyone. Shivananda Sain also supplied food to all the devotees and took care of them all along the way. In this way, feeling great happiness, he went to see Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at Jagannath Puri. When they all arrived at Ramuna, they went to see Lord Gopinath. In the temple, Advaitacharya danced and chanted. All the priests of the temple had been previously acquainted with Sri Nityananda Prabhu. Therefore, they all came to offer great respects to the Lord. That night, all the devotees remained in the temple, and the priests brought twelve pots of condensed milk 
which they placed before Lord Nityananda Prabhu. When the condensed milk was placed before Nityananda Prabhu, he distributed the prashadam to everyone, and thus everyone's transcendental bliss increased. They then all discussed the story of Sri Madhavendra Puri's installation of the Gopal Deity, and they discussed how Gopal begged his sandalwood from him. It was Gopinath who stole condensed milk for the sake of Madhavendra Puri. This incident had been previously related by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. This ceremony narration was again related by Lord Nityananda to all the devotees, and their transcendental bliss increased as they heard the story again. Purport the words Mahaprabhu Mukhe from the mouth of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are significant because Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu first heard the story of Madhavendra Puri from his spiritual master, Sri Pad Ishvarapuri. For this story, refer to Madhyalila chapter 4, verse 18. After staying at Sri Advaita's house in Shantipur for some time, the Lord narrated the, the story of Madhavendra Puri to Nityananda Prabhu. Jagananda Prabhu, Damodar Pandit, and Makunda Datta Das. When they went to Ramuna to the temple of Gopinath, he described Madhavendra Puri's installation of the Gopal Deity as well as Gopinath stealing the condensed milk. Due to this incident, Lord Gopinath became known as Shirachora, the thief who stole the condensed milk. So you're getting a little idea here that the devotees, it was a system that um, a tradition that was being created or a culture that was being created by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu um, that the devotees from Bengal come to Puri for the Rathiyatra each year. So this way they could all be together because Lord Chaitanya had taken sannyas. So the principles of sannyas are that one should not go back to his the home of his father or back to his wife's to see his wife, he should always stay separate after accepting sannyas. So Lord Chaitanya, on the request of his mother, had taken up residence there at um, Jagannath Puri. And um, let me think, the Lord spent 20, how many years? 24 years in Navadweep and 24 years in Jagannath Puri. And then he left this world um, during during an ecstatic kirtan, it's described. And um, so here, Advaita Acharya and all the devotees, they're walking from Navadvip to Jagannath Puri. Um, generally, today, the devotees, they'll take a train. It's an overnight train, takes about 12 hours. Or you can take a flight to Bhuvaneshwar, it takes about three hours to fly there little less than that, and um, to Bhuvaneshwar, and then go from Bhuvaneshwar to Puri, which is very close. And, um, of course, the Rathiyatra festival is like the highlight of this whole trip, that they go there to Orissa to celebrate the Rathiyatra. And as you heard here, after Lord Chaitanya started to reside in Jagannath Puri, Maharaj Prachaparudra and all the devotees, they became so attached to the Lord that even though he wanted to go to Vrindavan, they kept 
giving him reasons and like excuses to stop him from going, oh, it's too cold, or now it's time for the Rath Yatra, and devotees are coming from Bengal, you know, how can you go? So that had gone on for three years. They had stopped Lord Chaitanya. <laughs> Here also it's described how the devotees, they brought um, different supplies and special foods. Um, Raghunava Nanda um, him and his sister, his sister would prepare all these special pickles and different types of food, like some um, snacks that would last like a month, or there were things that would last two months, three months, four months, and the whole year, and they would be packed very nicely. So Lord Chaitanya would have supplies of very like nutritious and, and um, beneficial foods, you know, delicious food. Uh, digestive aids and different things. So even though the devotees of Navadvipa are living separately from him, they still were taking care of him. You see, and that's very nice, you know, for um, to show you the culture uh, that there was still so much love shared between them. It wasn't that he took sannyas and then just disappeared and, you know, everybody just forgot about him, you see. So, and also it shows you how there was care of Lord Chaitanya, not only as Krishna himself, but also as a sannyasi, the residents, his, his, his family and friends from his childhood, um, they were taking care of him from one side, and Maharaj Pachaparudra and the devotees of, of uh, Jagannath Puri were taking care of him on the other side. So, you know, that's a really good example for us for this type of culture, we were just reading this morning, um, Shula Prabhupada was talking about himself and about the Indian culture, the spiritual culture of India, and he was saying that the tradition actually is when men become old, they should take sannyas. And you don't hear of it very much anymore. I do have some family, uh, some friends whose father took sannyas and, um, in India. And it's like the whole family, um, you know, they like supported him and they have so much um, appreciation for him doing that, you know. Um, so the idea, uh, the idea is to place ourselves in a situation where um, we're not only fully dependent upon Krishna, but that all of our energy, of our, all of our actions, of our body, our mind, our words, can be engaged in Krishna's service previous to or, or, or prior to our death, prior to, you know, the end of the body. Because the material energy is arranged in such a way that um, either we voluntarily renounce the idea of sense gratification and the idea of... of of um, you know prestige and family attachment, or the material energy just destroys it anyway. The material energy just takes it away anyway. So it's like if it's inevitable, you know, we might as well prepare for it, right? Why face it, you know, with a tremendous amount of attachment? You see. 
So this sannyas is actually meant to make the time of death easier for us. And it also helps us to, um, you know, develop our love for Krishna, to find Krishna within our lives. It's because it's so easy to be distracted, you know, especially in old age. Um, you know, you'll find um, older couples they pretty much go back through their whole married life with their grandkids. You see? So it's like we're going from the Grihasta Ashram and then back to the Grihasta Ashram in our old age unless we practice this culture. You see? In fact, for for a man to become, um, you know, uh, I don't really want to use the word useless, but, you know, unable to support his family um, in old age, to become diseased, to become dependent upon everyone's, you know, taking care of him, to become like a burden, you know. And then also at the time of death, to die with family members around us is very hard because of attachment, but also it's um, kind of like embarrassing, you know, to leave the material body and so forth. So to just avoid all of that, you know, um, excessive attachment and burden and embarrassment, you know, the, the culture is really so nice. And so that's one thing, um, you know, this, this, uh, Lord Chaitanya, um, not, you know, even though he's fully independent, right? We have many verses, Ishvara Parama Krishna, Sachirananda Vigraha, Nadiradir Govinda, Sarvakarana Karanam, that, uh, Krishna is the, right? The supreme controller of all controllers. His body is completely spiritual, Sachirananda Vigraha. He's the source of everything, material and spiritual. Everything emanates from him, and yet he is the or he is self-manifest. He is the origin of himself. He has no origin, right? Or we have particular verses even about Lord Chaitanya. Like um, there's that nice verse um, which I really like. It's from the Ananta Samhita. It goes, "Ya eva Bhagavan Krishna, Radhika Pranavallaba." Dristas, what, what's, Shristado Sajaganatho Gora Asin Maheshvari. So it's Lord Shiva speaking to the goddess, uh, Parvati, and he says that, um, the supreme personality of Godhead, Krishna himself, who's the life and soul of Srimati Radharani, and who's the Lord of the universe in creation, maintenance, and annihilation, Lord Jagannath, appears as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Goranga, O Maheshwari. Right? And then the Lord himself speaks this so many times. Um, like we have another nice verse. It's from the Brahma Yamala. It's um, It goes, um, uh, Yata, what is it? it the, the English translation is that sometimes I personally appear on the surface of the world in the garb of a devotee. Specifically, I come as the son of Srimati Sachi Devi in Kali Yuga to inaugurate the Sankirtan movement. But Krishna himself is quoted, you know, speaking about coming as Lord Chaitanya. 
So even though Krishna is that original personality of Godhead, it's really beautiful to see that he won't do anything without the permission of the devotees. You see that? And Ramananda Roy and Srub Damodar, Srub Damodar is a lifetime brahmachari, he's a sannyasi, he's a scholar, he's a, a great, um, not just poet, he's a songwriter, composer, uh, playwright, right? As well as like, you know, very austere and, and dedicated devotee. And Ramananda Roy, he was practically the king of South India. And at the same time, he was um, a great scholar and devotional personality. And they really, they gave up everything just to serve Lord Chaitanya. It's a beautiful conversation between Ramananda Roy and, and um, Maharaj Pachaparudra when he decides to um, take up the personal service of Lord Chaitanya Surupta, uh, I'm sorry, Ramananda Roy speaks with Maharaj Pachaparudra because really he was... Um, you know, ruling or, or he was over all the administration of South India at that time, 500 years ago. And, um, Maharaj Pacharup Parudra said, not only will I grant you, um, you know, uh, uh, retirement, like release from your, um, from your government duties to take care of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but I'll double your salary. And I'll give you a place in Jagannath Puri, right by where Lord Chaitanya is staying, just to take care of him. See, so that's real administration. You know? Now we might have the chance of voting for a devotee, Tulsi Gabbar, right? For, who's running for president of the United States. I didn't get to listen to her um, during the Democratic debates, but I heard that she's raised enough money and got all the prerequisites to actually be included in the debates. My mom called me and told me she was... But um, you see, the point I'm trying to make is that, um, you know, normally if one of your um, cabinet members or somebody you're depending on, right, in your in your affairs, says that they want to leave their post, you don't want that to happen, <laughs> Right? Usually you'll become angry. In fact, that was the, the, um, the trick that Sanat, Rupa and Sanatana Goswami used to get free from the government, um, service of the Nawab Shah, right? Of the Muslim ruler they were working for, right? They just stopped going and they sent a letter, they sent information saying, hey, we're, we're, I'm sick, right? And then he finally came with the doctor. He sent the doctor, and the doctor reported, actually, he's fine. And then he came with the, one of his ministers, right? And, and uh, Sanatana Goswami was there, right, with about 30 Brahmins, local Brahmins, reading the Srimad Bhagavatam. <laughs> you know? And then he said, no, I'm not going to go back to the government service or anything. You know, like, they intentionally made him angry, because they knew if only if they made him angry would he want to get rid of them, you know. But uh, Maharaj Pachapurujra was such an exalted devotee that he could even take someone who was ruling a major part of, of India for him on his behalf and not only take him or let him free from those responsibilities, but double his salary and give him a place to take care of the Lord. So... Kind of just to sum that whole concept up, 
What we can learn from that is that management, administration means to do what's best for everyone to advance in spiritual life. Regardless of what the material situation may be. Like, it may be better for me to have you washing the pots. <laughs> in the, you know, in the kitchen. But for you spiritually, it may be better for you to be here in Chaitanya Charitamrita class and chant your rounds. So, so we have to look at that. And in, and in the broader perspective, just like if, if we, just like if we were to, um, you know, if everybody in the city of Dallas wanted to become a devotee today, would you expect everybody to move into the temple? Right? Obviously not. We might open a few more temples here in Dallas, but, you know, there, we would have to think about Krishna consciousness in terms of mainstream society, in terms of a broadened perspective. And really, that's essential for this movement to spread. You see? The, our movement, you know, it has to enter more and more into mainstream society to have a future. Especially nowadays, we can't, we don't really see the same type of situation as when Prabhupada came personally. We don't see young Americans or young Indians or anybody that really is interested in moving into an ashram and being trained as a monk. It's very rare. Maybe one out of a million might even stay for a weekend. Right? So we have to like create a formula we have to present Krishna consciousness in a way that allows everyone, regardless of their situation, to be able to practice Krishna consciousness. And also, as we grow older, we have to gradually be to support one another and allow the devotees and serious practitioners to take up full engagement in Krishna consciousness. Um, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, as soon as a man's wife would die, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati would give that disciple sannyas. You know, unless the situations are really required that a person remarry, generally it's not recommended because there's a natural attachment formed there. So, and those attachments are what keeping us in this material world, life after life. Sometimes as a man, sometimes as a woman, sometimes as an Indian, sometimes as an American, or worse. Or maybe you could say better if you become a demigod. Certainly you'll have a higher standard of happiness, but with that comes a tremendous amount of distraction. Right? In Christianity... We have this saying that it's more difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than it is to string a camel through the eye of a needle, meaning it's impossible. So the culture, this, the, these uh, aspects, you know, this is so nicely shown here. 
in Chaitanya Charitamrita. You know, this is real history. I mean, these things were taking place only 500 years ago. To me, this would be, the Chaitanya Charitamrita would be the greatest epic in a, in a, um, in a, in a film series. Or in a, like, you know, like you have the, Harry Potter series or the Lord of the Rings series or you have in uh, India. I mean, you guys did Mahabharat, right? But Chaitanya Charitamrita, it's so applicable and it's actually documented history. I mean, not just really Krishna's Kaviraj, but all the contemporary biographers of those days have commented, wrote, described all so many of these great personalities that we're reading about. So it would actually be part of Indian history, you know, the spiritual culture of India. And to me, the stories are just just superb, super excellent. You know, in terms of the, the love that they shared, in terms of understanding the goal of life, in terms of practicing being spiritual. You know, you can't really, um, you can't really find... A, a literature that is so rich with culture, sociology, uh, s- spirituality, um, you know, uh, politics, uh, you know, religious festivals, um, you know, the interaction of different um, religions and cultures. And it's quite amazing, actually. Quite amazing. So, um, yeah, so Lord Chaitanya, he was supported. Um, we're talking a little bit about this, uh, taking this up. Um, and, you know, what's unique is, what's unique about Lord Chaitanya taking sannyas in this um, situation here is that Lord Chaitanya really had everything. He had a loving mother, beautiful wife, Right? She's the, an incarnation of the goddess of fortune herself, right? Ravishingly beautiful, loving, devoted to him. He's very successful. He's a school, he's a teacher, he has thousands of students. Right? But Lord Chaitanya, for the highest purpose of helping others, he gave that up. There's, uh, and took sannyas. He, there's a verse like that. Let me see if I can remember it. It goes, um, what is that verse? There's a verse that, uh, yeah, it's from the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, 5th chapter, text number 53. And let me see if I can say it for you guys. It goes, Deyam Sada Paribhava Gyama Doham. So the translation of that is, um, we offer our respectful obeisances unto the lotus feet of the Lord, upon whom one should always meditate. He left his householder life, Leaving aside his eternal consort, whom even the denizens of heaven adore, he went into the forest. He accepted sannyas. He went into the forest to deliver the fallen conditioned souls 
who are put into illusion by the arrangement of the material energy. You know, normally when we think about taking sannyas, it's because our lives are falling apart. <laughs> right? Oh my God, you know, my, it's so hard to work, work in these lousy jobs. <laughs> Better I take sannyas. Oh my God, my wife, you know, she's fighting with me all the time. Better I take sannyas, right? We always, like, you know, sannyas is like a, 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 a something you do when, you know, nothing else is good. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, sannyasa is meant for a higher purpose, right? For the for spreading Krishna consciousness, you know. Of course, it's painstaking. It's much easier just to, you know, lay on your sofa at home and watch the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> but really, you know, the thing is to go out there, you know, and spend day and night. You know, trying to be Krishna conscious and help others to become Krishna conscious, that is serious work, guys. You know, and the culture is so nice. If we practice this culture, then, you know, those who do take sannyas and those who take up preaching Krishna conscious, they won't feel, you know, that they've just been neglected and thrown away and, you know, hated and driven out. In, 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 into a, a morbid life of self-denial. <laughs> you know, really, a morbid life of self-denial. That is not sannyas, guys. That's just the mind. Something, you know, I've learned is that um, if you consider that the mind is made of the material energy, right, the mind seems to have this unlimited capacity to complain about Krishna consciousness. <laughs> of course, we say, we say, you know, the mind can be the best friend or the worst enemy. So I'm talking about, you know, the mind as the material energy. Or maybe I should recouch it and say that, um, you know, there is no limit to the perfection one can achieve in loving Krishna. And there is no limit to how much Maya can kick us. <laughs> you can go on for millions of lifetimes letting your mind and the material energy just beat you up. It's like at a certain point we gotta like, you know, fight back. It's a, it's a fight. Prabhupada said Krishna consciousness is de- declaring war on the material energy. You know, another good example is like, um, see, most, most of us, right? I'm talking about myself, okay? When we worship Krishna, it's to make some comfortable arrangement within the material world, okay? I mean, yeah, you could say, you know, I'm chanting, I'm purely, and I'm doing this purely, but really, I want a comfortable arrangement, you know? Are you guys willing to give up your new Lexus to, to, and trade them for uh, motor rickshaws? Of course not. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that. <laughs> and we're not saying that either. Krishna is not expecting that either. You know? That, but that's the kind of thing the mind is always fright, frightened of. Right? You see, oh, I have to give up my Lexus for a motor rickshaw. 
I can't do that. But so the point I'm making, okay, is that the material energy has this like unlimited capacity to bewilder us and to kick us. And, you know, in so many ways, there's so much suffering. You know, once Prabhupada was asked, why don't you have a deity of Durga on your, on the altar? And Prabhupada said, but Durga, she's using that trident. She's inflicting the threefold miseries into every one of us. All right, misery, adi atmic, adi devic, adi bhotic miseries of the mind and senses, miseries from other people and living beings, miseries from nature. So Prabhupada asked the man, why do you want to worship her? <laughs> he said, better we worship Srimati Radharani. She's only giving you selfless, pure love and freedom from all suffering. So the point I'm making is that normally, you know, deep down in our hearts, we're worshiping Krishna and we're thinking, oh, it's for a better material situation. But really what our philosophy is teaching is to completely replace material life with spiritual life. That's hard. So Prabhupada gave this example of being in prison and having class C, class B, class A prison. You heard those examples? Right? So um, class C prison, right? You just sleep on the concrete. You, you, there's no heating and air conditioning. You stay in darkness and solitary confinement. You can't see anybody, right? They just feed you dry bread. But if you're really good, you can move to class B prison. So class B prison, you know, they give you a little mat to sleep on, on the concrete. You get um, some lettuce and tomatoes with your dry bread. You can go out once a week and play uh, volleyball inside the barbed wire fence. But if you're really good, you can move to class A. So class A prison, you know, you get an LCD screen, you get a better mattress, you can see your wife once a week, right? Talk to her on the phone through the window, right? So usually we're worshiping Krishna for that. Please, Krishna, I'm so tired of being in class C prison. Please, I'll do anything for class A prison, please, class A prison. And then the devotees come and the devotees are saying, hey, how about breaking out of prison? And you're thinking, yeah, actually, you know, that's great. Because you have this long prison sentence because of all this karma, right? How many millions of lifetimes, right? It says that just eating beef, a person has to take a thousand hellish births for every hair in a cow's body, right? People are not even thinking what's going to happen in the next life or how many millions of lives in the future. Everybody is like so, it's like, um, right? One of the devotees quoted this. It's like, um, it's folly, right? Um, 
to be blissful in ignorance when angel, where angels fear to tread, right? In other words, a person in ignorance can, can say, well, I'm happy here, right? I'm happy in the material world. They're not thinking, man, in million, you may have to suffer for a thousand hellish births from every hair on a cow's body. A thousand hellish births. But they're thinking, no, 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 I'm so happy. I don't have time to chant. What are you guys so hung up about? You know? Why do you have to think about death? That's so morbid. Just think about enjoying in the material world. Right? It's so, it's, they're like, they're blissful. Their bliss is just a product of ignorance. You see? Where angels, where somebody who's understanding even a simple principle of devotion, of reincarnation and the eternality of the soul, is very afraid to take that up. So, you know, considering that um, example, now, you might say, okay, well, you know, I'll just wait out my prison sentence and get out of prison like that, right? But maybe you'll never get out of prison. Maybe, you know, they'll never grant you whatever, you know. Or maybe someone will kill you when you're in prison. Right? There's so many factors in the prison house. There's danger at every step. That's the other example that's given in the Bhagavatam is of a deer. So, you know, you've seen deers on the side of the road, right? You're driving on the highway. So the deer is just eating the grass. But on one side, the cars are whipping past the deer. Woof, woof, woof. One wrong move and the deer will be killed instantly. You know, they're five feet away from their death. And then on the other side, the for- in the forest, there's these huge wolves. Like now, have you guys seen that Canada is sending their wolves? They have, they have, um, you know, what do they call that population? Uh, you know, they have a, uh, uh, population explosion of Canadian wolves. Have you guys ever seen a Canadian wolf? It eats an American gray wolf or, uh, you know, black wolf for like a snack. A Canadian wolf is like bigger than a bear. They're huge. Now they're populating the whole uh, Montana, Idaho, the, the 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 Yellowstone Park with these Canadian wolves. If you guys want to see something, you put Canadian wolf in your phone and press images, you'll see what I'm talking about. The on all fours, the back of that wolf is like up to your chest. That's how big it is. So the forest is filled with these Canadian wolves on one side. The other side, the cars are whipping past. Right? The Bhagavatam gives the example of a hunter. A hunter is playing his flute so beautifully, and the, the, the um, deer hears the music and thinks, how nice. And the, but the hunter is trying to relax the deer enough so that he can kill it. Right? And then the other side is the tiger or the wolf or whatever, waiting to eat this deer. But the deer is there just eating grass, thinking everything's very nice. That's material life, guys. 
That's life in the prison too. Life in the prison, man. People just they they go out and get out of their minds. Jairadakalachanji. So you know, so you can say, well, I'm just gonna stay. I'm just gonna stay in prison and just get out. You know, whenever they say. And the, but the devotees say, why do you want to do that? Let's break out of prison. Right? Have you guys ever seen any of those movies where somebody breaks out of prison? Like they use a spoon or something and they scrape a hole through the brick wall and they slide through the air conditioning duct or something and they have to get out, right? But, um, right, you can imagine when you try to break out of prison what it's like. Everybody starts shooting at you, right? You're running for your life with all your energy. You have to go over these huge impediments like these giant fences with barbed wire, you know, while people are trying to kill you. And then you have to run for your life, you know, through some forest or some place, right? And then you have to try to like reestablish your life. That's what we're trying to do here. That's why everybody freaks out. What do you mean you're not going to stay in prison, A? What do you mean you're going to break? What do you mean you're going to leave the family? What do you mean you're going to go out and preach? What do you mean you're going to go on Harinam? We need to be doing something else important. What do you mean you're going to use part of your salary for book distribution? What do you mean by that? One of the devotees, he was talking to me. He was a millionaire uh, orthodontist, and so he took sannyas, right? And his whole family, he's Gujarati. He's a Gujarati Brahmin. And, um, yeah, hey, Mangi, you know, so one of the devotees, he was telling me this. So he took sannyas, right? More, more or less. Like he's put on saffron and things. So he made millions of dollars. He was an orthodontist. He had like three dentist shops, right? And his brother is a surgeon. And, you know, the family's very big, Gujarati family. And so he decided, he's a disciple of Prabhupada. He became a, a temple president. And then he finally decided, okay, I'm going to just do it and take sannyas. So he settled his wife in, in the Dom with her, uh, her older daughter, and uh, her husband, the wife wanted to do that. She wanted to be there and chant and live in Vrindavan. And he's he was able to save enough money, and he has some kind of money that comes in from some good stocks. I don't know if there is such a thing, but that's what he told me. All my friends that I know, except for him, have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in Prabhupada, millions of dollars, actually. One of my friends... He owned 50% of Delta Airlines, and then after he bought it, Delta Airlines went bankrupt. He lost, like, millions of dollars overnight like that. But Prabhupada, he referred to the stock market as gambling because it's a speculation, right? But anyway, um, so this devotee, he... He has enough income that comes in from the money that he's invested to support himself. He gave money for his wife to take care. And he gave like hundreds of thousands of dollars um, for the Mayapur and Vrindavan temple and to support other temples, right? And, um, you know, and 
he told me that his family thinks he's completely insane. That he gave up being a millionaire orthodontist to go and just travel and preach Krishna consciousness. And he's very serious. You know, he chants every day um, 32 rounds. He reads for about four hours a day. And then he preaches. Every day he does some programs, all kinds of things, you know. But it's a very practical example. You know, the family won't talk to him. His business associates, they all hate him because he gave up. He closed his business down. So the point I'm making is like Krishna consciousness. See, normally when we're worshiping Krishna, it's like we're asking for Krishna for a better material situation. No, I mean deep down in our heart. We want to be comfortable. You know, nobody wants to drive a motor rickshaw. We all want a Lexus. You know, you see? So the thing is, it's like moving from class C to class B to class A. And then you can just suffer your karma. And hopefully at the end, hopefully, at the end of all of that, you can get out of the material world. But maybe it'll never happen. Just like for most Americans, uh, one bite of beef is equal to um, a thousand hellish births for every hair in a cow's body. So who knows when we're going to see the light of day after this life. That's what I was saying. Like um, People, they think, oh, you know, I'm happy. I'm an American. I got a nice house. I got a new car. But you have no idea what's going to happen for millions of lifetimes after this. And if we keep rejecting Krishna, then it's said that if we wait around to the end of this creation, we're wound up into the body of Mahavishnu and we remain in an unconscious state for 311,432,000,000 million years. The Mahavishnu breathes in, all the conditioned souls that remain attached enter within his body and then he breathes back out. But one breath inhalation for him is 311 trillion years. So we can remain unconscious for that period of time if we, if we you know, if we, if we play around too much. You know, I'm not the kind of person that would tell you, I think everybody should have enough recreation, time for their families, make enough money to be happy. If you're going to go out there and work, it, make as much money as possible. Otherwise, what are you doing out there? You know, like, <laughs> you know, if you have a job that's going to pay $10 an hour and a job that pays $100 an hour, take the job for 100 bucks an hour, you know. As long as you're not, you know, ruining your life with it. I have some friends that are like so into their careers, their wives divorce them, their family rejects them. The guy's got a huge house, but the only person in the house is his dog. And he just pays for some carpet cleaning service to come and clean up after the dog every week, you know. But so breaking out of prison, that's Krishna consciousness. So when you break out of prison, see, normally religious, when we mix material life with spiritual life, it's like praying to Krishna, please move me from class C prison or class B prison to class A prison, please. And... Just going through some karmic reactions and thinking we're going to get go to heaven or whatever, that's like waiting for your prison service sentence to become over or somebody to grant you some special release or something like that if you don't get killed in the meantime. 
And then Krishna consciousness is like breaking out of prison. When you break out of prison, it's first of all, it's very hard, you know, to like claw a scratch through a concrete wall with a spoon, you know, that you stole from the cafeteria. And then running for your life while people are shooting at you and climbing over a huge fence with bob wearing dogs are trying to bite you and all of that, you know. But that's what it's all about, guys. That's what it is. When you turn your back on the material energy, that's when Maya comes after you. You see? So we need to support one another. If we don't really help one another, like in this case here with Lord Chaitanya, the, the, the devotees of Navadweep were supporting him, and Maharish Pachapurudra and the devotees from... Of course, he's a king and, you know, all of that. And the devotees from... Uh, the devotees are also almost all government officials in... They're Brahmins and government officials in Jagannath Puri. There's a, a few, you know, more, like, working people, but... And then Navadweep, right, is another a group. But they're sending food, so much clothing, support, room. Everything's being provided for these men and women that take up full Krishna consciousness. But unless that's there, how can we really expect anybody to do this? Otherwise... You see, the other the, the the example that I was talking about earlier is Lord Chaitanya had everything. He had a fantastic wife, loving mother, beautiful home. He had a hundred, thousands of followers. He had his own school, plenty of money, right? And he gave that up to spread Krishna consciousness to us, right? But normally, people consider about taking sannyas when everything goes bad. Oh, my wife doesn't like me anymore. Oh, my job fell apart. Oh, my... Now I'll take up Krishna consciousness. That's not the right reason. When when we do that, that's why we fall down. Because as soon as the material energy offers it back again, you know, then, hey, man, material energy is not as bad as I thought it was. Let's. I'm just going to head back to it. So we have to cultivate those higher principles of in our own heart and mind, you know. See, the, the point I'm going to end here with is that um, Krishna consciousness can be practiced on basically two levels, okay? The one level is as, as sadhana, sadhana bhakti, okay? We chant, we worship the deities, all right? So sadhana is based on our faith and on our discipline, can you get up every morning? Can you get your rounds done? Can you come to the temple? Can you read these books? Okay, that's sadhana. It's faith and uh, and um, discipline. And faith means having feeling secure in something that's beyond your um, ability to control. Like, um, like for example, um, you know. We faith means that if I practice Krishna consciousness, everything I need will be provided better than if I don't. That's faith. Okay? And you can test it, right? You can stop getting up, stop chanting. You know, you could even eat meat if you want and drink or, you know, sit around and just do all that and see how you feel. 
you know. Or you can try this and see how you feel. But regardless of that, because you guys are very cultured and you don't even need to, you know, think about that stuff. But the thing is that um, sadhana is based on faith and discipline. Preaching invokes another aspect of Krishna consciousness, which is the causeless mercy of Lord Chaitanya. As soon as we try to spread Krishna consciousness, good morning, as soon as we try to spread Krishna consciousness and help others in their spiritual life, good morning, ladies, come on in, feel free. You invoke the special mercy of Radha and Krishna. You invoke the special mercy of Lord Chaitanya. That immediately picks you up to the higher platform. It brings you up at least to the platform of being a Madhya Madhikari. And if you keep doing it, you come to the platform of Uttamadikar. You don't want to do anything else. So that comes by practicing Krishna consciousness. Like when I was a kid, they did something really interesting with me. Some teachers did. Is they put us in a circle of children standing around us. So about, there were like, say, a dozen kids standing around us in a circle. So there was one of us in the middle. Then they blindfolded us so we couldn't see. Then we have you hold your hands behind your back and they tell you, okay, now just fall. Just fall backwards or fall forwards. And what you find is that the other kids naturally catch you. It, it's, it was a, it was a psychological, um, I don't know what you want to call that. Not really an experiment, but it was a psychological, um, uh, tool to uh, help people, help the children develop faith in one another. That people naturally want to do what's good for you. So, you know, you, I mean, yeah, sometimes they let you fall a little bit farther than you expect, right? Just for fun. But then you're laughing anyway, right? But the point I'm saying is when you surrender to Krishna, you know, at first, well, you know, if I use my money for Krishna, what's going to happen? But try it. Wow, suddenly you made twice as much money in your business as you have ever made before. Wake up early in the morning. Go to Mangalarti. See how you feel. Maybe you'll be happy all day long instead of getting depressed. You know, the, what the biggest psychologists say that we get depression from is from television. You know why? Because television is training us to compare ourselves to everyone else. She's better than me. He's better than me. He's richer than me. He's more powerful than me. He's a, and then you feel I'm not, I'm nothing. I'm, I'm horrible. See, whereas when we associate with one another, the natural thing is to look at the good qualities. Oh, wow, she's here today. He's here today. He's chanting today. You know, so in personal association with one another, we, we encourage and we recognize the good qualities in one another and we help to fortify that. You know, instantly you become free from depression. Just being with a group of people. But I hate to say it, all of our Indian engineers <laughs> are making all this software and all these microchips and everything just distancing us, distancing us. You know, pretty, it's like, 
Your wife's in the next room. You don't even talk to her. You send her a text message. You go out to dinner, right? You've been both working like for the last two weeks. You haven't really had any time with one another, right? You're out to dinner and your husband is there on his phone, you know, answering emails. Of course we're going to have problems. You know, how long do you expect your wife to have to sit there so bored and neglected, you know, waiting for you just to, you know, be nice? You guys are so lucky you have these patient Indian wives that are still in the mode of goodness. That the American women just walk out on you. Okay, so that's my point. My point is sadhanam gives you is based on your your faith and your discipline. So you want to improve your sadhana, you got to improve your faith. How do you improve your faith? By surrendering. How do you surrender? Use your money, use your time, use your your you know do everything. You're practicing, and you start getting an experience, and your faith will become strong, right? And discipline. How do you increase your discipline? Are you just going to have a morbid life of self-denial? Oh, I'm disciplined. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to... No, you're going to go crazy like that. Discipline for devoting means higher taste. You have to do things that are better than your material things. Reading these books with your husband or with your friends is better than watching television. On your own, you're so, we're all so tired because what happened to us in this country and now all, of, all over the world is everybody is being trained, inculcated to over-endeavor from mundane things that are difficult or impossible to achieve. So we're so damn tired, we can't even read. We can't do anything practically. Then just recover so that we can abuse ourselves for another day. That's why Indian culture is sattvic. Indian culture means you don't have to deforest, uh, you know, diuretical chanji. Right? We don't have to over-endeavor. See, one of the things about... Good morning, you guys. Hi, Krishna. One of the things about um, the materialistic society, okay? Materialistic society, the philosophy, it's called um, materialistic reductionism. Okay? If you want to talk about, you know, the college-level materialism. Okay, materialistic reductionism means everything can be broken down into the simplest building blocks. So you guys all know how it goes, right? Atoms are broken down to molecules. Molecules are broken down. I'm sorry. Cells are broken down to molecules. Molecules are broken down to atoms and atoms are broken down to subatomic particles and which are known as quarks. And quarks are the ultimate cause of everything. There is no God. God is just something that a human society has created to deal with their depression uh, and their irresponsibility. 
right? You can pick up a, a, a journal at like Whole Foods, uh, scientific, you know, what is it? Science Today. And they have quotes like, God is hanging on to the edge of modern society onto the, um, the, the, the edge of, of modern society and soon will be kicked off into the abyss of meaninglessness by modern science. So, you know, they're, they're, what they're saying is our ultimate reality is just quarks. Okay? Does that make you guys feel good? That you're nothing but a bunch of quarks? Do you wake up in the morning and think that you're a quark? That's insane, guys. And we're sending our kids and we're putting ourselves hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt for educational, so-called educational institutions, which are really nothing but a big business. They don't care about your education. They only care about your tuition. If you stop paying your tuition, they'll kick you out of there so fast you won't even know what happened to you. And they'll be very nice about it. But the point point I'm saying is that, you know, this materialistic idea is godless, okay? So here's what happens to us. We think, I'm not in control. I don't have the money I need. I don't have the situation I want. I, I don't have the relationship, the, the refinement of the relation in my relationships that I'm hankering for. Uh, I, I'm, so I, realizing, I realize I'm not in control. And if there's no God in control, that means everything is out of control. And because of that, we feel totally distressed. We feel completely afraid. That's all materialistic philosophy does. And we just look at each other's, at, at one another as victims. <laughs> Come on in, please. <laughs> we just look for the next victim for our sense gratification. Who can I get money from? Who can I get what I want from? And our relationships become so superficial and so manipulative. And we're not happy and the people we're dealing with aren't happy but we just feign it. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, good. We have a smile on the inside and a frown on the inside. I mean, a smile on the outside and and we're crying on the inside. So the Krishna conscious worldview is so beautiful because everything is created for the loving service of Krishna. Krishna is the supreme person He loves everyone. He's controlling everything. Not a blade of grass moves without the supreme sanction of Krishna. And when we think like that, and everything that I have can be offered to Krishna out of love and shared with my friends, shared with my family, shared with society, and everyone I meet, my relationship with them is meaningful because we are all family members connected to Krishna, then we become very peaceful and happy.
When people say, well, why is something bad happening in my life then? I'm chanting so much. One of my friends told me, oh my God, my husband chants so much, but he's always so angry. Right? My husband is chanting so much, but he's always so angry. Why isn't it working? Right? Here's the reason, guys. Because Krishna wants us out of the material world. Krishna is not interested in making a a, a good arrangement for us in prison cell number A. In prison, in letter, in letter A. Krishna wants us out of the prison. Just like, you know, for a parent, right? So a parent, you may take your son or your daughter to the beach. So the son and the daughter, they're building like sand castles, right? On the sand. But at a certain point, you have to want to go home, right? But your kids don't want to go. They just want to keep playing with the sand. So what do you do? You pick your kid up. You start going away to the car. And that kid is crying. That kid is not happy. Right? But actually going home, getting a shower, having dinner, sleeping in your bed is really nice. But the kid doesn't realize that. So the same way, we're here like kids playing in this material world, like building our sandcastles and everything. Right? Which is all temporary. It's like getting a flight to India and then while you're in the transit lounge at the airport building a home. You're going to leave. Your flight is coming. But no, 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 no. I got to build a home here in the transit lounge. You see, I mean, I'm throwing jokes at you, but the thing is, it's just so ignorant. It's so ironic. It's, it's so, you know, Uh, pointless when you think about it. So Krishna, at a certain stage, when he sees that we are really starting to get serious, right? Krishna, he takes you, he picks you up. So, but at first you're crying, what about this? What about that? What about my sandcastle? (laughs) What about my, you know, what about my, all the things I was just playing with? So it may seem that the parent is being harsh with the child, but actually it's because the parent loves the child. The parent wants the best for the child. So the same way, so the same way, Krishna, he's trying to get us out of this material world, out of these attachments, out of this false identification with the body. Actually, for Krishna, it's more difficult for him to be separated from us than us being separated from Krishna. Just like, say, for example, your kids. If somebody took your kid away, if your kid was separate from here, right? How would you feel as a parent? You'd always be thinking, where's my child? Is my child being taken care of? Can I, how, what will I do for my child? How, how is the child getting on? So that's how Krishna feels about us. Okay, so it looks like our next program is about to begin.
Nice to have all of you here this morning. So thank you for your kind attention. I hope you guys have a wonderful day and nice uh, ceremony. And uh, tonight is the Sunday feast. I think His Holiness Giriraj March is speaking tonight. He is. It's been confirmed. So that should be fun too. All right, you guys, thanks for letting me go on and on like this. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. Unless you have any questions or anything else you want to ask. What ceremony are you guys doing? Oh, she's having a baby. Good luck. I hope everything goes okay for you. I see. You're doing like a bangle ceremony or something for her? No? Oh, nice. Okay, wonderful. Well, I hope everything's very auspicious. You're welcome. Hare Krishna. Okay then, thank you very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna.